Happy Friday. Welcome to the program, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The f- wait. Wait. What's that smell? What is this smell in the studio? What is this? Is this? It's an inversion. It was not what I ate for lunch. It's an inversion. It's an inversion. Weather. It's weather. All right. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the phone numbers. And uh, the email, Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. You can also uh, hit me up on the Twitter machine at Pete Callender. Uh Remember, get the podcast as well, wbt.com. And you could follow all of the hosts, and then the, the podcast just show up in your phone or your tablet. You don't even have to do anything except press play and listen. So the Charlotte Observer did a, uh, and I guess this was a McClatchy-wide operation. I, I I read the Observer, so you don't have to. But no, I read the Observer to obviously uh, stay up to date on uh, what you know is going on in town, among other publications. And the other day, I guess it was about a week ago, they did a big series on forgiving college loan debt. Several stories, they've been beating the drum, and they say a million North Carolinians carrying part of the country's $1.75 trillion in student debt. We're just a part of that. We actually rank seventh among states for total student loan balances. That puts us higher than states like California and New York. According to a 2021 report from loan comparison website, Student Loan Hero, which uses federal data. The uh, piece by Hannah Lang at The Observer says there's a chance much of it could be wiped away. There's a chance. How much of a chance? Well, that's going to depend on Democrats' desire to completely alienate uh, working folks in North Carolina and uh, the rest of the nation, right? The working, the blue-collar working-class voters who, by and large, did not go to college and might be a tad upset that now they're going to have to pay the freight for a bunch of people who did go to college and uh, they're uh, thereby, you know, the theory goes that you're now able to command a higher salary. After extending a pandemic-era pause on federal student loan payments, President Joe Biden is considering eliminating $10,000 worth of loan balances for some or all borrowers. You get a $10,000 check. You get a $10,000 check. You get a $10,000 check. Well, I mean, it's forgiveness. They're not going to give you the check. I mean, what do you think this is? Like COVID relief money? Come on. No, they're going to... No, they're, they're going to wipe it away because that's, as we all know, as the Constitution clearly states in the college loan forgiveness article, uh, I think it's like Article 77,000, they, they, the president is empowered to just make this kind of a decision. Sure. Uh, the policy would make good on a presidential campaign trail promise to relieve some student debt. That decision could relieve about 1.3 million borrowers of some or all of their debts, obviously, if they have more than 10 grand. Um, they quote Rochelle Sparko, who is the director of the NC, 
uh, director of NC Policy, North Carolina Policy, at the Durham-based Center for Responsible Lending. And uh, she is just, uh, I, I think she's probably, you know, just an impartial observer uh, who happens to have advocated for extensive debt cancellation. That's all. She's an activist, which, look, truth be told, as soon as I saw Durham-based, I kind of knew what the politics <laughs> was going to be. It's Durham, right? So they highlight in this piece several different people uh, because that's what you do is you, you know, as a, as a young cub reporter, you are taught in the journalism schools that you go out and you find some real people. You go find a person and you, you lead in with the, uh, the tale of woe that they are offering you uh, as an example to then launch into the larger uh, policy discussion. You see, because Americans, I don't want to have to read the story about policy. I don't want to. Uh, can you tell me? Can you make it about a person? Sure, tell me a story about a person and then I'll care. Oh, it's a person. It's her name is Princess Harris Alfred. And she was the first in her family to ever uh, get a college degree. And uh, she went to UNC Charlotte and it took her a while and she worked her way through school and all this, but she took out student loans. And so that's who they start the piece highlighting. And it, it, this is the standard formula for reporters in virtually every publication, right? In, in media in general, you go and you, you, you find the human interest angle, the quote, real person. That was a big deal for a long time. They, they wanted real people in the in the stories. Um, and look, I understand why you're trying to say you're trying as a reporter, you've got a policy, you've got a proposal of some kind in front of a governmental agency or something or a body. And, and your job as the reporter is to explain to people what the proposal is, what the policy is or the law and to explain how it affects them. This is how it could affect you. And so you go out and you find somebody that it has affected and you tell their story and then people think, oh my gosh, that could be me, right? So uh, this woman that is highlighted in the story first, and there are several of them, um, she has like $54,000 in debt and uh, she has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a minor in urban youth and communities. That's a minor, apparently, that you can, urban youth and communities. No idea what that minor entails. <laughs> I've, I, I don't know. Um, across the country, student debt has been steadily increasing for more than a decade. In North Carolina, it's more than tripled since 2008. Why? Why has it gone up so much? Well, we don't know. It's not addressed in the uh, in the article in, in this massive article about student loan debt and forgiving it. We don't know why it's going up since 2008. What started? What, what happened in 2008? 2008. What was going on? Well, before the Great Recession, right? Or during the Great Recession? Yeah, because that was the election when John McCain's like, I'm suspending my campaign. And he, you know, uh, canceled his appearance on Letterman. And he flew back to Washington D.C. to to address the problem. Remember all of that? And then he lost uh, to Barack Obama. Then something may have happened. Do you remember what might have happened? Do you, are you a little fuzzy on the history? I seem to recall that a pretty big change happened in the way 
we do student loans in America. It was part of the Affordable Care Act of all things. Remember, they, 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 they took over the, the loans and such. The federal government got involved in the, in the loans. They, they, yeah. Did that have some impact on it? I don't know. Here's another one. The rise of insane degrees. How about that? Not temperature-wise. I'm saying the, the, the minors and the majors and all of these different fields of study that may not actually get you in a position to get a good job. Right? I have long argued that when schools are on the hook for the debt that their customers incur in order to get the service that the schools provide, which essentially is a credentialing service in a lot of these institutions now, if the schools were on the hook for that and it was dischargeable in bankruptcy, like you could, if you declared bankruptcy, you could wipe away all your debt and then the schools would be on the hook for that, I suspect they might have a bit of a, a different outlook on the kinds of programs that they offer, the kinds of classes and degree programs that they offer. Don't, don't you think so? Maybe, right, maybe the, the master's degree in the, uh, the mating ritual of the honeybee may not be worth $70,000, right? Especially if you give people these degrees, there aren't enough jobs out there that seek people with those degrees, and then they go into bankruptcy and default, and then they can't pay you back your loan. You probably would discontinue that program because it obviously doesn't have enough of a market demand to meet the supply that you are cranking out. Something like that, right? Just spitballing here, and remember, there are no bad ideas. Throwing out ideas. But that would be one. Got a tweet at Pete Callender from Anime Gate. So do I get a refund check for paying my own way through college? What about when my family tightened our belts for my wife to go back to school? How about uh, we not give loans to people who can't pay them back? See, there's a there is a genuine fairness argument about the student loan forgiveness issue. It is real. There are people who took out loans, worked their way through college. I am one of them. And uh, we had loans. I had jobs and paid my loans back. So am I the sucker? So now I get to pay for somebody else's loans too? Who racks up $54,000 for a degree in psychology. So first off, are you telling me you can't you can't use a degree in psychology for any gainful employment that would allow you to pay back that debt? Is that what I'm hearing? That's weird, because I thought psychology was a pretty decent degree. I'm not sure about the minor in urban youth and communities, but nobody is hiring somebody based on you know what their minor is. I mean, I had a minor in political science, mass comm broadcast major. Okay, yes, technically I had enough credits. I've told this story before. I had enough credits for a double minor, poli-sci and philosophy, but they would not let me have a double minor. I think that policy has since changed. I'm not bitter much. So, 14... <laughs> now this, the minor, really, minor, a minor doesn't get you the gig, right? 
I don't even know what gets the gigs anymore. Now, I mean, I'm starting to see now where uh, employers aren't even requiring college degrees. There's now been uh, a push against this stuff. And honestly, for a lot of people coming out of college, it used to represent what? College used to represent that you started something, you finished it without anybody, you know, making sure that you did your homework and went to class and everything else. You were sort of sink uh, sink or swim on your own. And it, it taught you how to learn if you want to learn. That's what it did for me. And for a couple of years there, I was not really very interested in learning much. <laughs> well, because a lot of it was just sort of a rehash of what I had gone through in high school. 14 years ago, according to the Charlotte Observer story, student debt, total outstanding student debt for borrowers in North Carolina was $15 billion. 14 years ago, it was $15 billion. Now it's $48 billion. So it went from 15 to 48 in a decade and a half, basically. And again, I ask, why? Why did it go up so much? Are people borrowing more? Are more people going to school? Because just the fact that the number went up doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. If it means more people are going to college, they're getting degrees, it's, you know, leading to uh, you know, economic gains for them personally, but also for the state. I, so I'm not sure what to make of this number, but they throw the number out as if I'm supposed to be terrified because it's so large, but I don't know if I am supposed to be terrified. It could just mean a lot more people are going to college, right? Most borrowers have not been required to make a payment either since March of 2020, when COVID, the smartest virus ever, told them they didn't have to pay back their student loans. No, I'm just kidding. COVID's not that smart. Lawmakers granted forbearance for the federal student loans alongside other measures to jumpstart an economy that was halted by COVID. Well, actually halted by halted by politicians. Yeah, halted by them, elected officials. They halted it. I mean, it was they say it was due to COVID and in order to save all of us, uh, but I mean, COVID didn't do that. That was the people. Okay, so the pause has long outlasted other pandemic-era aid programs and has been extended six times by the Trump and Biden administrations. But it's coming to an end. The forbearance expires on August 31st, and that's why we're starting to see a lot more of this coverage. So student loan forbearance ends. It expires on August 31st. According to the Charlotte Observer story on the topic, lawmakers and advocacy groups have called on Biden to cancel a share of student debt by executive order by that date. Quote, it's a very difficult thing to turn student loan payments back on. Said Rochelle Sparko, director of NC policy at the Durham-based Center for Responsible Lending, which has advocated for extensive debt cancellation. Okay, so why do you have that quote in there? This this person who wants you to forgive, who wants loan forgiveness, expansive loan forgiveness, and she's saying, I don't know if you could turn the collection back on. Now, I'm no expert here, but I can attest. Collectors can, in fact, turn that back on very quickly. <laughs> it's, something, it's something they're quite adept at doing, as a matter of fact, when... Yeah, they know who you are and they want their money and they will call you a lot. They'll send you emails and text messages. They'll disturb you at work while you sleep everywhere. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, trust me. I mean, unless something has changed in the last uh, 20 years, they most certainly can turn it back on. She then, of course, goes into the racial component here because everything has to be viewed through the racial lens. Black households carry more student debt than white households, regardless of the incomes they make after graduation. That, according to a report in 2021 from the left-wing Brookings Institution. So again, black households have more student debt than white households, regardless of the incomes they make after graduation. I find myself again asking the question, why? Why? What is going on? What is prompting this? Is it racism? Is there are, are the are black households being charged more money for the same education? Is that what's happening? I'd like to know why. Black women in particular often bear the largest burden. That according to that Sparco Ladies um, organization, Center for Responsible Lending. It showed black female borrowers are more than twice as likely as white men to owe more than 50 grand in undergraduate student loan debt. The trend has been aided by the pandemic. COVID-19 exacerbated existing disparities for women and uh, women of color by impacting child care responsibilities. Huh. Child care. What does that mean? Does that mean that white men have fewer children than black women and therefore black women have an additional cost to bear, particularly single black women? I also note that the story touches on this uh, survey from the Brookings Institution. You know what Brookings also did years ago, years ago? Brookings took a, a deep dive into the causes of poverty, and they discovered that there are a couple things you can do that will, in all likelihood, lead you out of poverty or, in all likelihood, protect you from ever falling into poverty. You know what? They're very simple things. Three things. You know what they are? I've talked about them before because it's been around. the study's been around for a very long time. Yeah, number one is have a job, any job, a job. If you have a job, chances are greater you're not going to fall into poverty. So have a job. Number two, get your high school diploma. So this story obviously incorporates people who got high school diplomas because now they're going to college or they got GEDs, right? So they, they did get their degree, so that's good. But the third one, you know what the third one was? Don't have kids until you get married and wait until you get out of high school. See, the problem is that all three of those things are societal, they're cultural, familial. You know, th- these, are, these are standards, these are uh, norms that are conveyed and transferred at a personal level, and then that becomes part of the culture at large. But if you have a culture that does not transfer those three things, you know, that you're going to go to school, you're going to get an education, you're going to finish high school, like you're going to do these things, you're going to go to work, you're going to have a job, and if you get pregnant, you're going to get married, right? Those those three concepts, and even Brookings recognized this in their report at the time, they said, 
These are things government can't really do. Now, government can do things to uh, to break those things, like, for example, uh, you know, offering all sorts of benefits to single moms that then go away if the if the father of the kids live in lives in the house. Right. If they get married, then a lot of those benefits go away. And so it prompts a lot of women not to get married. That And I my I had neighbors that did that. They lived together for years. But because her kids from a previous marriage were on Medicaid, they would not get married because if they did, they would lose the Medicaid coverage. So government can implement all sorts of policies that help to destroy these cultural norms. But otherwise, in order to uh, encourage them, that's on us, it's on the community. By the way, did you happen to catch any of the uh, uh, the audio from yesterday's Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department briefing on the uh, the quarterly crime stats. Yeah, the I, I forget is his name Foley, I believe, uh, and I don't remember was it Sergeant? I forget uh, who it was, but I was listening last night as I was uh, working around the house, and um, I, Brett Jensen was filling in for um, uh, Mark Garrison, Charlotte at six, and then you know Brett does his own show, Breaking with Brett Jensen at seven. So he did. He, did, he played a lot of this audio over the course of that two-hour span. And the thing that I kept hearing from the, from the police is, like, violent crime is up. You got young kids under the age of 18 that now, thanks to the change in state law, they cannot be tried as adults. So you got 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds running around committing pretty serious offenses, but because of reform, you know, you know the punishments are now reduced and they're at a juvenile level they're not you can't try them as adults and all that um but the stuff that the police are talking about th- these are things that police cannot change they're reactive i've said this for years if you celebrate criminality you cannot be surprised when you get more criminals you you can't you become that which you gaze upon right and you're going to tell me that, look, I'm not the first person that says that has said this. The philosopher, Chris Rock, you know, years ago talked about the level of respect that one receives when you get out of prison versus college. And this, this culture of criminality exists across all racial demographics, by the way. It has become pervasive. Look at all of our movies. They're all about the anti-hero, Right. It's always, you know, some guy who's pushed to the edge. He's a good guy, but he just so happens to have been formerly a bad guy, and he's got this bad streak to him, but he's going to try to use his powers for good, kind of, maybe a little vengeance thrown in, (laughs) right? It all follows us. We get to celebrate the violence porn that is provided to us by the boob tube uh, in in our movies, right? If you celebrate criminality, you're going to get more of it. So, yeah, no surprise. We got more of it. This isn't, and as Brookings Institute said, this isn't something government can fix. This is an us problem. This is a you problem, me problem. This is us. I I don't understand the big deal about this fist bump thing. President Biden fist bumps. I, I guess... I guess I should wait to see what the think pieces are about over the weekend about how the fist bump proves America is back. Uh, anyway, 
the debt gap, the debt gap between blacks and whites, student loan debt gap, leads Rochelle Sparco at the Center for Responsible Lending and others to consider student debt to be a racial equity issue because, of course, it is because everything's equity, 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 and everything. I swear, it's it's almost comical now. I sit and I watch the city council and county commission meetings, PowerPoint presentations. It's like every other word. I'm convinced that the people who are speaking this language I don't even think they know what they're saying. They just sprinkle in these words <laughs> where they need to in order to convey a sense that they care. And nobody wants to say, what are you talking about? Because they don't want to be labeled a racist or accused of having privilege and that sort of thing. I do find this interesting, though, that there is a connection here between black females carrying more college debt than white males. I don't know what the other comparisons are for the other demographics. This is just the stat that the Charlotte Observer gave us in order to frame it through the racial equity lens. Because, of course, everybody has to do that, particularly media. So this is the comparison. And they say that the trend has been aided by the pandemic because COVID-19 shut down child care centers. And so now single moms... Black women were not able to afford child care uh, that was, you know, what limited ones were available, or they had to stay home with their own kids because there was no health care option now or a child care option available for them now. There is a child care issue, a single parent issue at play here. These are the costs of destroying the family. Now, you can say that's by design. I tend to believe for a lot of people it was. Yeah, a lot of people looked to destroy the family unit. And I'm not going to go through all of it because it makes makes me sound like a tinfoil hat wearing, you know, McCarthyite anti-commie guy. But yeah, communism relies on the destruction of the West uh, of the of the family unit. And the Western society is built around that concept, as are most societies throughout the human uh, history. So it's not new. But if you can destroy the connections that people have with their own family and and neighbors, you destroy that by sowing chaos, making people afraid to say a word or to look at somebody or to, to act a certain way. When you make everybody so afraid of each other that now nobody can have those interpersonal relationships, there's no trust in the society, well then, let daddy government do it for you. Then they have another story, Amber Wyke. She graduated from NC Central University in 2013, but she first transferred from Bennett College in Greensboro. I thought this was interesting that there is an advocacy group called the Debt Collective, and it wiped away $1.7 million in debt for 462 women who went to Bennett, who went to that college. Then she went and got a degree in social work at NC Central, and now has more than 40 grand in debt. I don't know if the debt from Bennett got wiped away, but I like that idea of the of of private organizations because what I mean that's like a scholarship. More of that. How about you do more of that? How about these left-wing nonprofits fundraise from their big-time donors who are you know, when you're not too busy, you know, hiring people to write the same editorial at WRAL.com. 
Maybe you take some of that money, Mr. Goodman, and you take and, and you pour it into this kind of an effort, into actually helping people like Michael Scott did, right? Where he promised all of those kids that he would pay for all their college tuition. Something like that. Then there's another woman, Caroline Cave, a Charlotte resident, 47 years old. She owes more than 60 grand in federal loans from a postgraduate certificate program in nonprofit management at UNC Charlotte, which, I mean, full, like, like, come on, like, could you not tell? Nonprofit management, it's going to cost you 60 grand. Couldn't see that one coming like that. All right. Before the pandemic, her salary at an arts and cultural organization was just enough to cover necessities such as groceries or gas and make about $150 to $200 monthly payments on her loans through an income-driven repayment plan. But when the forbearance began, she stopped paying. And now she had a medical condition arise. And so when she stopped paying, now all of a sudden she's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to redo my budget. Something's got to get cut out. Yes, that that is actually how budgeting works. Correct. Increase income or reduce expenses. Those are the options. There are other options about how to fight this. We'll get to that up next. Next.